Welcome to the Mission of Truth podcast, where Super Bowl champions Nick Foles and Chris Maragos dive deep into the trials and victories that are behind all of the lights. Here's your hosts, Nick Foles and Chris Maragos. Today's guest played 10 seasons in the NFL. He played college football at Tulane and was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the second round of the 2008 NFL Draft. He went on to be a two-time Pro Bowler and owns many of the Bears franchise records. Welcome our guest, Matt Forte. What's up, fellas? Man, it's good to have you on. It's good to have you on, especially now that, you know, being in Chicago, um, in your old roots, I'm excited about that. People can't see it. Maybe we use some of this video. I'm wearing a a Bears hat and, um, you know, a shirt that we'll get into that represents what you're doing now. But I want to start off, you know, being new to Chicago, I've only been there. um, When I went to Michigan State my freshman year, I I flew into Chicago, then drove up to East Lansing, um, got to experience the city a little bit there then. And then I played a preseason game there, and then I played a playoff game there when I was with the Philadelphia Eagles. And they probably didn't like me much then, but now I'm part of the Chicago Bears and excited about it. You've been there. You're a legend in Chicago. Give me some information of, like, some of your favorite things to do in Chicago and why. Man, it's just there's so much to do. That's what makes Chicago a great city is that uh, you can literally find kind of anything to do. Uh, while down here in the city. I mean, there's a lot of great restaurants. Obviously, I'm uh, missing those right now as we're, you know, self-quarantined and all that stuff. But um, restaurants, um, you know, you got Navy Pier. um, And there's a lot of museums and and artistry. And and there's also, like, different areas you can go to. There's Greek Town where there's a lot of Greek restaurants. And also it shows their culture and stuff. That'd be good for Chris right here, man. This guy's Greek right here. There you go. Have Greek. Come on. Hey, we're going to get Chris. Yeah, oh, he he smiled up and that that forehead lit up, man. That's bright red. (laughs) I'm going to comment on on his beautiful forehead every single episode I ever do. That's right, man. So so you got the the Greek here. I got a little bit of Greek in me too. So keep going on. I got to know everything that's good. I mean, uh, so many things to do out there. You know, you got uh, the Bean, which is a, 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 a staple in Chicago where people go. It's a landmark. People go there and see that downtown. Uh, the Magnificent Mile on Michigan Avenue. It's uh, all the stores and shops and all that stuff. I've heard about them. Trying to keep that away from my wife right there. Yeah, you know? yeah. so don't show her that. Actually, no, no. Nah, nah, I like food. I like food, that. but, you know. <laughs> yeah, let her stay away from that. And plus uh, – you know, there's just so many things to do. You know, if you want to go ice skating, they got that out there. But with kids, you know, I know you have kids. There's tons of, uh, I mean, there's the uh, the Children's Museum for Science and Industry, that which is really cool. Uh, through my foundation, I took some kids there. Awesome. I mean, they just have, like, the most awesome stuff. Like, there's a, a tornado, like a self-made tornado that you could, like, stand in and stuff. They got all kind of cool stuff that you can see. So, um, Chicago's full of all kind of stuff. Blues bars, jazz bars. Uh, okay spoken word places and, and things like that, man, is full of all kind of things that uh, bring the culture of Chicago to life. That's no, I all. love it, man. I, I'm excited, excited about it, being a part of a, a city like that. And I'll continue to reach out to you with questions as it pertains to the city, because, you know, playing in a city like Philadelphia, man, the heart of the city is, is yeah. so special and it made, it made it so meaningful. And I know Chicago's much the same way where there, there's so much passion and so much, so many things going on there. And, yeah. Obviously, you know, playing your career there, uh, you're a special person in that city. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They awesome. love hard workers and uh, it's kind of that blue collar, uh, you know, mentality. And, and when you represent that on the field, the city just comes alive and they, they all back you. 
and they love that. And I know that's what you bring, and you've brought that to Philly and how that silly probably came alive during y'all Super Bowl run. And, uh, you know, no pressure, but that's what they're waiting for you to do here. Yeah, no, pre- <laughs> no pressure, Nick. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 no pressure at all. Just one day at a time. That's all I got to do. That's you're awesome. Gonna see, see his cheeks light up. You know, he's talking yeah, about yeah. Hey, hey, I know the pressure. It's going to be there. That's where the, it's fun playing in cities like that where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of passion, and you know that, you know, they're going to be on the edge of their seat and, you know, they're going to live and die every single play. Um, there's a lot of responsibility with that. And, you know, that's a big part about being a part of the Bears, just being one player on that team that I'm super excited about. Yeah. Being in a city with that much passion um, makes the game that that much more special. And you got to experience it firsthand for a long time. So, you know, I can tell by just listening to you that it's a special place to play. So I'm honored to be a part of the team. But, Chris, I know you got something. Oh, yeah, I got some good stuff. Matt, you've had a crazy cool career, man. I actually heard this stat, which is crazy and pretty cool, is you're only one of three players to have 1,000 yards rushing in a 100 reception season. That's crazy, man. But I know you've had a lot of cool accomplishments. I was fortunate to play against you Mm -hmm. when I was in Seattle um, and things like that, man. I can just remember game plan for you and just how dynamic and hard you were because you could run it, you could catch, you could do everything, and that was difficult uh, for defenses. But – you know, you, you came on the scene, you know, your rookie year and, you know, your first few years in the NFL, you know, you've, you've, you shared with us that you kind of had a lot of ups and downs, man. Share some of that uh, maybe on the field, off the field of just kind of those first few seasons uh, yeah. of your career. Yeah. Um, coming even through college, uh, you know, you have the ups and downs and stuff, but they continue uh, through the early part of my career. And I would say um, it was interesting how everything flowed because, uh, coming into the league, coming off of a, an astronomical season, uh, my senior year in college, where I got to run for uh, over 2,000 yards and then get put on the map because it was kind of a small school, Tulane. Like, who is this kid from there? Yeah, right. So the stats is what kind of put me in the limelight of, okay, this kid might really be serious and be a prospect. And then I get drafted and I come to the Bears, and um, I don't think anybody was really expecting a whole lot. Uh, from me that 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 first year and I end up uh, you know cracking the starting lineup and my first game um, super memorable everybody always kind of now that I'm retired they always say man I remember that first game after that first game I knew you was gonna be really good it's like yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) but um, I had a really good game you know we we, uh, ran for over 120 yards or something I think it broke one of those rookie records for a rookie debut and stuff like that and so that rookie season was really impactful. I think over 1,700 all-purpose yards. And I'm coming off of the great year as a senior in college. And I'm like, well, this is the NFL? Like, and I did it in my first year? Oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I was, none, first, right? yeah. I was like, uh, I was one of the rookie of the year uh, finalists um, that year. We had a really good draft class, too. I think Matt, Matt Ryan may have won that or Joe Flacco. One of those guys won the uh, rookie of the year. And um, so after that, I go into my second year in the league and, you know, same work ethic. And, and I've never been the guy to kind of shy away from uh, hard work or anything like that, but the success wasn't there. So that was kind of new to me where I'm, you know, putting in all of this work even more, but yet the success wasn't there. And it led to, you know, some trouble off the field where, um, you know, it, it, let, it let, I was spinning my wheels spiritually, you know, yeah. which is what matters the most. And if your spiritual life is struggling, it's going to show in the physical, it's going to manifest itself in the physical. Yeah, right, so, right. Um, you know, being, being that I was struggling uh, spiritually 
of well, physically on the field, it kind of amplified spiritually. Yeah. And, and I think that was what was revealed to me. And what God wanted to reveal to me is that, hey, even though these things may, you may struggle in the physical world, you got to be solid spiritually so that when the ups and downs come that way, you stay, you stay even keel. And it's not going to be like you get so low at the lowest point and you're way too high at the highest point that, you know, you forget about God. And uh, I think it was dangerous that I was even in that, that mindset because I kind of was just a lukewarm Christian, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, God was kind of a, uh, a uh, good luck charm to me. I would go to chapel, you know, before the games. And I I had kind of started that even in high school where I went to Sunday school and I went to church and then I went to FCA on, on, on a Friday mornings. And then I was like, you know, every time I do that, I have a good game. So, you know, maybe this this uh, this church thing is, is good for me or this religious thing. And it was more about the routineness of religion than the relationship, which I came to find out later is what is the core in, of life and, and what matters the most. Yeah, I think that that's so deep. And I, there's so many people that are going to listen to this that can relate to what you just said. Where And I, I know even in the past, you know, teammates that would go um, before like they need to have a big game or maybe the team started struggling and then all of a sudden yeah. when the team starts struggling all of a sudden chapel becomes packed. packed but then all of a sudden <laughs> you you hit a win streak and you hit a road game uh, there's going to be four people in chapel like I've been mm-hmm. there and I've seen that and that's sort of what you described and there's going to be a lot of individuals that are that way with church and hey I, I need something with my job uh, you know so I'm gonna go to church I need this it's like your rabbit foot like you said your lucky charm yeah. But then we know that's not the case. Like you said, you shared and you alluded to, it's, it's about that relationship with Jesus Christ. What, what was it along your journey that, that you had to change your heart when this happened? Like what happened to change your heart to where, hey, this isn't a good look charm. This is, this is my life. This is, this is yeah. something that surrounds everything I do. And it's not something that I just do when I need it. The funny part was, you know, God will convict you in so many different ways. And uh, his word never returns void, you know, and that's biblical. So I'm in, I'm in one of the chapels and, and uh, the guy ended up preaching about the same thing I was going through. And I'm like, wow, like this is, this is God. God is really, this is the first time I'm hearing God speak to me like blatantly, like I'm talking to you. And um, he was talking, he was speaking. He was, and at the end of, of, of his uh, kind of chapel sermon, he was like, God is not a good luck charm. You know, you, you don't, you don't, you, you're not qualified by your behaviors to get a blessing. You know, it's not because you did all of these great things that God's like, okay, now you deserve a blessing. None of us deserve it. And he's like, God's goodness is what he gives it. You know, he has the most grace, the most mercy on us. And every day you get that new. And then he kept talking about that grace and mercy and like us being undeserving because, you know, none of us um, have not not sin and he's like telling us all of this this uh and, and backing it up with scripture and i was like man this dude is talking straight to me and uh then I, I found myself reading you know the bible more and i was like let me start i can't just uh depend on listening to sermons or listening to someone else you know speak about god i you know i need to read god's word because uh i've heard people say you know the bible is the only book you read that reads you and I'm like, that makes so much sense, bro, because you read it and it's like telling you about yourself, what you need to work on and, and the things you need to fix, what things you need to do better. And as I'm reading, I, I pulled up in, on Psalms, like Psalms 127. 
and says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Mm. And I was like, so no matter what I do, unless it's for the Lord and like he's, you know, behind it, I might even be successful at it. But at the end of the day, it's going to it's going to fall. It has no foundation unless it's built on on the Lord. And I was like, man, that makes so much more sense. And it's so powerful to me that I can't go around treating God like a good luck charm. Mm -hmm. No, and that's so deep. And I think that, you know, listening to you speak, you talked about, you know, keeping your your faith life steady, meaning that that's going to be a part of everything you do. And you were talking about ups and downs. And I think that's important for a lot of people listening. Like that has to surround everything you do. And a lot of times we actually learn more when we're going through those struggles than we do when we're at those mountaintops because you had so much success in your career. But as you, you know, where you really, you know, found that relationship and realized that this is more than a good luck charm is when things started, you know, struggling. And, you know, you realize like, man, this, this Bible, this thing is like the living word. Like you said, it reads you. So, man, I'll reaffirm you that that's some powerful stuff. And there's going to be a lot of people that are impacted by that statement. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we, as human beings, we shy away from the things that are, that are, we seek comfort. I would say, you know, at times, times in life, we like I, my, you know, a lot of people's goal is to, you know, be wealthy and then they just live comfortably. Like right. God is not saying that he's not like calling us to just live comfortable. And I, I found myself being a comfortable Christian you know, comfortable in, in the way I, I follow God. And, and it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. You know, it wasn't going to, going to make the cut of, of what I was supposed to be doing, what I, what my purpose was in Christ and what he designed me to do. And my dad actually gave me some great uh, advice and I can't even remember when it was, but he was, he told me one time, he was like, the worst thing, at the end of your life would be on your tombstone for it to say, Matt Forte, he was a good running back. And then that's it. Like I never impacted anybody's life outside of the game of football because I'm retired now. Like people are going to forget. They're going to forget the, the, you know, things you did on the field and, you know, your name might be in the record books every now and then or whatever, but those records get broke, uh, broken. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just broke, you know, the, the receiving record I just held for like a couple I had it for like four years and he broke it already. So it's like, these records, you know, make, you know, none of that stuff lasts. And so not shying away from um, the hearts, the hardships or the trials, because we're going to face them. Uh, when when a, a miner back in the day found gold, they never, it's like a nugget of gold was not that valuable. They had to put it in the fire and get it pure. So the fire actually purifies it. And so I think that's what we have to do. God does that with us. He takes us, puts us in a fire purifies us get all that that stuff that's not of him out and then send us out into the world like now you can go make disciples and live your life and let your light shine so that that darkness uh you know gets away and that's 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 powerful so you got all this transformation going on off the field matt and but you're a football player you play for the bears and you know you're still you know going through these contract negotiations you know, stuff starting to kind of pick up for, for your life off the field. Talk about on the field going through these these negotiations and just the contract, yeah. how that's all shaking out there. Yeah, as as I continue, you know, God, to transform me, you can't help but as he transforms you, your identity changes. So, like, my identity is now rooted in Christ. I would say before I was one of those those Christians who was like, 
yeah, I do the routine things of going to church or going to Bible study and this type of stuff, but I'm not really living it, so to speak. I'm not really, you know, out there really living it. And I, I think it was, comes in the way that you seek God. Like if you, you are honestly seeking him, like you want to know more of about him, of his character and experience him, he's going to reveal that to you. But if not, then you're just going to be kind of spinning your wheels. You're going to be a hamster on the, on the wheel. And so as that happens, obviously a lot of people think that when you come to Christ, everything gets easier. All your problems are fixed, but it's the opposite because uh, as my father once told me, he's, he's always giving me great nuggets of advice. He He sounds wise, man. Sounds like a wise father. Well, my my grandfather was a pastor for 60 years. There it is. Okay. There's a lot of wisdom in in this family line. Gotcha. Yeah. So he, he told, uh, he told me, he said, man, if the devil's not messing with you, if the enemy's not messing with you, it's because he's already got you. And I was like, that makes, makes, yeah, that was real. (laughs) And, and so obviously going through the transformation, I'm like, you know what, I'm committing to Christ, uh, you know, full head of steam. I'm going to apply these, what I, what I know to, to my life and what I do. And as soon as that happens, you know, all the, all the things happen in, in the physical of my, uh, of my, you know, football world where, uh, like you said, the contract negotiations, uh, had outplayed my kind, my rookie deal coming upon the, the fourth year of my deal, the last year. And I'm on base salary, which is, you know, I think around five fifty, six hundred thousand or whatever it is for the rookie. And, uh, basically go through the contract negotiations, but the team has all the leverage and they don't give me a good deal. And I wasn't going to sign a bad deal. You know, I had faith that, you know, whatever the Lord has for me, I'm going to be able to get it. But you also got to know your value. You know, you can't sell yourself short. You know what talent you have and you have to do that. And that's one of those hard things that you have to really rely on God to guide you. Because uh, even, even you know, some of my family members, they was like, man, you need to sign that. You need to sign it right now. But I didn't want to sell myself short. Because if I'd have done that, I'd been locked into a deal. It'd have been bad business. You know, my agent was even like, if I let you sign this, you know, I'd probably get fired, you know. Right. So it was a halfway negotiation because they wasn't really trying to get me to sign, but they have the leverage because I'm under my rookie deal. That's, that's the business of football, of yep. the NFL. And so I don't sign it, but I'm playing and I start, I'm leading the league in rushing, like playing on this rookie deal, all of those thoughts. But I go out there and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to play anyway. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that I'm going to hold out. Um, and get fined and do all that stuff. I'm gonna do it the right way. And it's almost like when you do it the right way and you are a good guy, you don't you don't make a bunch of hoopla, they don't pay you. But when you do do that, then they do. So it was just one of those trying times because in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, well, should I be like that? Should I go act out and do all of that stuff? But, uh, you know, God kept me uh, calm and, and kept me humble. And he put this humble spirit on me saying that, you know what, son, you know, I have you, like I'm in control of everything. And so, uh, that really gave me a peace and I ended up leading the league in Russian. And the funny part was I'm making base salary and the punter that we had was making like four and a half million. And, I'm <laughs> like, and it just, it just ate at me every day, every game. I would just look because we weren't really punting the ball. I'm leading. He ain't punt. You, you taught the rock. He ain't punting. <laughs> and you chilling on the side. I was, you know, and I was just like, you know, this is crazy. And, and all that stuff could cause you to have a lot of resentment and like bitterness and, and all that stuff. But all of that does do is, is eat at yourself. Right. And it, it makes you 
worse. And so I didn't want to be like that. And uh, God honestly had to, you know, intervene in my life and, and uh, continue to daily just strip out those things in my heart that are not of him. And that would be my prayer. You know, God, please, you know, anything not of you, just take it out and, and allow me to, you know, have be guided by you. And that's why uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is my, one of my favorite Bible verses, because at the end it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll guide your, direct your path. And I've, I honestly believe God had done that because I, I would acknowledge him and what I was doing. And you got the bag, bro. And, and, I, and I signed the deal. And, the <laughs> and there still was issues with that, you know, played that year and I got injured at the end, uh, missed the last four games. And uh, to me, it was like, man, I made the Pro Bowl and, and, you know, ran for a lot of yards and touchdown stuff, but I got injured. You know, was it worth, you know, me out there sacrificing all this? And they, I don't even feel like they appreciate it. And then, uh, and then I ended up um, getting franchised after that. So I still didn't get the, the, the full deal, but ended up working it out at the end to where, you know, it was, it was uh, a blessing that God would be able to trust me with, you know, that, that type of contract and, and, uh, and wealth. No, I think that's the big thing right there. What you just said is God can trust me with this and mm. understand that you're, it's not really yours. It's his and being a good steward of that, whether it's your, your tithing or what you're giving, you're impacting, using the platform for impact, having a voice um, through your playing career. And I think the big thing too is, I mean, I see it too, like where you're like, man, do I need to act this way or not? And it's like, no, I'm going to continue to glorify you. God, it's, you know, obviously, like you said, you don't want to sell yourself short because you're one of the best in the world at what you do by God's grace. He's giving you that platform. Um, that's why they, they pay you what they do. Um, there, there's owners making money. There's a lot of people making money. So there is a business side. And I found that the business side is it can be really difficult at times because you like it's not fun, like talking about a number amount that you're worth. Like it's, it's no one. It's not fun doing that because at the end of the day, like you want that you want to be a fair contract that, that's fair for both sides. Obviously, you want to win it, but you want it to be fair at least to where you can just go play ball and be with your teammates and glorify God with what you do. And, and there is a part of it. It's really difficult. And I heard you say that. Um, you know, switching, switching gears a little bit, obviously you, you play most of your career in Chicago. Um, you, you have a lot of highs, you know, there's some tough years there as well, where the team's struggling, obviously the contract negotiations, your faith is growing, but yeah. at the end of it, you're a Chicago bear. And I believe you wanted to end your career as a Chicago bear, but at the end of it, that, that didn't necessarily happen. Just talk about the, the end of that time a little bit and like the identity that goes along with like being an NFL athlete. And then all of a sudden, like, especially a running back, a lot of people don't know this, but running backs average career spans around three years. Yeah. And you play 10 years like that is unreal over three times as many years as, as possible. So God, God blessed you to do that. And I know yeah. it's not easy. I know you fought through a lot, but just talk about like the end of your time and how your identity dealt with that because it, your career didn't necessarily end with the team you thought it would. What did you go through? Yeah, God was teaching me throughout my entire career. And, I'm, and honestly, just even the, the, the way through health, through uh, on the field, off the field, like God literally was holding my hand the whole way through uh, my life in general. And, and, you can, and I smile because I can look back and kind of see these moments where, like, he's literally – hand guiding me like go here and do this or or um you know giving me the 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 way to respond to certain 
you know, issues and trials. And so you get, you know, play eight years. And like I said, uh, everything wasn't all lollipops and rainbows, you know, had the contract uh, negotiation type of stuff that you, that can leave a bad taste in your mouth. But then also you're, you know, I earned everything uh, of that contract. You know, I had, I was on that field, whether we were going to the playoffs or not. And, you know, I'm out there limping on one leg sometimes. And it's like, you know, freezing cold out there. You're not going anywhere. It's not, it's not going to be a playoff type of year. And some people are even on the team are giving up, but you're like, you know what, you know, this is my job. I'm a professional. I'm going to go out here and, and do it. But what I do is not to glorify man, it's to glorify God. So if I'm, if I'm going half out there, you know, I'm going half on God. So I can't do that. And then I get to the end of my uh, time with the, with the bears and, um, I was considering in, in free agency to take a discount, you know, to take a, a lesser deal than on any of the other teams just to stay in Chicago. And like, you know what, finish my team out with, the, finish my career out with the team that drafted me. And for them not to even offer a, a, a deal, that, that kind of hurt a little bit because you're like, man, like, because it's what I wanted, you know what I mean? But I think in that moment, God was teaching me, uh, there's often times where God's plan doesn't meet what you, uh, what you want for yourself. And that happens all the time. You know, all we always, time. you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And so, <laughs> That's uh, so true. So true. <laughs> I had the plans of riding off into the sunset and playing for the bears for my whole career and being like that. But he's like, you know, that's not my plans for you. And you have to be okay with that. There's times in life where you're going to want something, you're going to work extremely hard and you might even get this close to getting it. And then God will test you, test your faith. Like, do you love me more or that, that, or um, what you're working towards that goal that you're working towards. And so um, in that moment, uh, he definitely was teaching me that. And I came to grips with it before even, um, you know, the, it got out to the media uh, that I wasn't going to return or anything uh, with them. And so having my identity in Christ and knowing that is his will before any of my plans or, or aspirations, that's what helped me to overcome anything like that and not be, not have hatred in my heart or, or malice or, you know, all these things that, that um, are not good to have in your, in your spirit. No, amen. I think that, I mean, you, you really do go through a lot of, you know, I hope people listening realize like, it's not just like, I, I love the Lord, love Jesus. I, I have all the answers. Like I, it's easy. Like, no, there's a battle that goes on with every decision you make. And, and you can hear that with all your different things. Like, you know, you had plans to be in Chicago. Well, it didn't work out. Like you do feel that and you're upset that it didn't happen. But then you check yourself and you say, wait a second, I'm thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about the Lord right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. God, you're teaching me something. And that is so true. So many times we learn and we grow when we have these plans and God changes them. And he, he's checking our hearts to say, hey, are you doing this for me? Mm -hmm. or, or are you doing it for you? Which one is it? Because if you're doing it for you, you're going to be empty. But if you're going to glorify me, I got you. Now, that doesn't always mean you're going to prosper and make a lot of money and do those things. Now, if he allows you to do that, that's awesome. But it's yeah. for a purpose. And it's not for you to all of a sudden go out and not do any, have any impact in the world and just sit there on, you know, a boat. You can have a boat. You can have nice things. It's great to have nice things. Yeah. Like I have a car, I have a home. I'm very grateful, but it's also like, how can I impact the world in a positive way? 
And that's where also like a lot of people look at athletes as athletes. Like, okay, you were a football player. You played 10 years in the NFL. You had a great career and then you're done and yeah. you just retire and you have all this money and you do nothing. You just sit there and wait till you die. Say, yeah. no, like that's not what you do. And that's where, uh, you know, I want to go to. So you transition from the NFL and I know there's two places that there's two uh, organizations that you're a part of. You're working now with Illuminations and then you also have a podcast with Biblica. Yeah. And this is like after you left the NFL. And I think it's the stories of guys leaving the NFL and what they do next is always the most fascinating thing. I try to talk about it in the locker room so many times with guys where it's like, if all you are is a football player and that's all you can look at yourself as an identity, and this speaks to anyone in a vocation, if you're the CEO of a company or whatever you are, if that is all you are, you better address it and figure it out because someday that will be gone and you will have to figure out who you are. And that's why a lot of guys struggle when they leave the NFL is because they were always an athlete. And then a lot of guys don't get to end their career on their terms. You know, you end after 10 years, like we said, all the statistics, but tell me about like the transition from leaving the NFL and working with these um, organizations and companies and like what they do and how it's impactful. I think you hit the nail on the head, Nick. Uh, when, when you have your identity, no matter what vocation you're in, like you said, if you're, if your identity is rooted in that or material things or something that is going to fail you at the end of the day, you just, you just watching, you're like waiting for your house to crumble, basically. Uh, you know, your identity is rooted in Christ who, you know, obviously came here and bankrupt heaven to purchase us. So when you're, you're rooted in eternal, in the eternal, who is the life giver, then there's nothing that can happen where your foundation is going to fall from underneath you. And so it was easy for me to walk away from the game after 10 years and being like, you know what, I, I've played 10 years. My family's at a point where um, my kids are getting older and I want to spend a lot of time with them and, and, and basically disciple my children because you got to do that. Um, and I, I feel like I can walk away from the game. But like you said, too, a lot of people don't get that chance to, to make the decision. The game retires them. And on both sides of the spectrum, people still struggle. And this is why I'm so grateful to God. I thank God every day, every night for him guiding me in the transition of transitioning out of professional uh, football. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. Her, you know, I talked to a lot of guys during that time. Once I got to like year seven and eight and nine, it's like you start thinking about, okay, I need to kind of find out what I'm passionate about outside of football. And uh, a lot of things came up. You know, I did the broadcast boot camp type deal. And uh, I did actually do some uh, analyst work for NBC for two years, uh, the past two years, you know, covering the Bears. And, um, and also uh, – some acting on the side here and there, but it was just wasn't, you know, it's not something that I was super, super passionate about. And through those years, um, God put it in, in, uh, in our plan to take a mission trip. And we ended up going to India uh, through Biblica. And when we went there and saw the thirst that is over there for God's word in a country where you can highly get persecuted for speaking the name of Jesus, and seeing their, their, you know, how devout they are in seeking God yet. And I was just thinking about, you know, being in America. If for going to church on Sunday, if somebody was hassling you to get there, people would just turn around and be like, man, I'm not, I'm not even going today. 
No, for sure. Just for that, that small, you know, obstacle. You know, there's a there's major obstacles abroad that people are facing, yet they are still uh, saying the name of Jesus and and following Him. And so uh, that inspired me to be like, you know what? I have a foundation here in Chicago and I do stuff in Louisiana too, but this is a way for me to make an impact globally, not only in the U.S., but I can do it globally. So uh, took the mission trip with them and was super impacted. We went to a, uh, a slum uh, in India on the last day and none of them speak, you know, English. They all speak uh, Hindi or Bengali, one of the languages that were there. And um, there's all these kids, they're just running up and they're hugging us because they know we're not from there, but they just are just happy to receive some love. And most of them have no pants, no shoes on, just got a big long shirt that's, you know, dirty. They got dirt floors, uh, you know, no running water. And it's just, it's crazy. But yet there's this uh, group, this partner of Biblicas that goes in there into the slum and they do school because there's no school that they go to can't afford it they do a school like class and they they teach them songs about jesus and all kind of stuff and i have a video and i posted it on my social media before but all of these uh indian children from in the slum singing this song saying uh i love jesus because he loved me first and i was like man that like it blew me away wow. and so coming coming back home from that i was i immediately reached out to the biblical team and was like well what would it look like for me to work with you guys on Bible translation? Because that's what they do. They're in charge of the top 100 languages, which are gateway languages. Um, because it was a whole new world and it was something that I could glorify God in. And it was a whole new world that I had no idea about while playing football, but I'm super passionate about God's word because I know how it transformed me. And for someone over overseas or in a foreign country who does not have God's word in their language, how can there be transformation? How can there be healing? You know, if they can't even read it in their own language. And so um, it was amazing to be there. And that's what inspired me to get into that line of work with Bible translation. Well, Matt, how long, how long does it take for a Bible to be translated? It depends on the language and where it's at and how many gateway languages kind of have been translated, but on average, I mean, it's a really tedious process because we're talking about God's word, you know, nobody wants to water down or add to it. Even the Bible says that no one should take away or add to God's word. And so you have to work with um, a lot of partners that are in that country or specific uh, people group out there. And uh, it, it takes anywhere from, you know, I'd say on, on a quick turnaround for somebody who actually has a language that's just a different dialect, anywhere from, you know, probably two years to it could take 10 years wow. to, to get the full. And that could be just a section. Sometimes they do just the Old Testament or the, just the New Testament of, of, um, of languages. And so it was a whole new world, man. And especially just all the statistics, man, there's over 6,000 languages that's across the globe. Yet I think uh, just under 3,000 languages have a full translate have actually some scripture of the bible and there's over there's over 4000 or 3900 types of uh languages that don't have little to any scripture so they you know you, you think about those those uh people that are in you know tribes that are still you know in in the woods and and different things like that that never heard the name of of Jesus like these are some of the hardest you know points to get into yet it's the, one of the most important. So the work is out there. Like the Bible says, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So uh, 
this is the type of work that was so passionate to me by seeing it and being involved in it. And I was like, I got to start working in this way. And I'm just so glad that God guided me towards that because I had no clue what, to, what I was going to do. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, Matt, you've done amazing work on and off the field, man. We've been blessed to know you and, and get, get a chance just to see what you've been doing and uh, grateful for everything and all the contributions you've had for the game. And then also uh, for God's kingdom, man, it's been great. But before we let you go, man, you're in Chicago and yeah. um, you know, that's the, that's the pizza capital world. I know all the New Yorkers out there, you know, everybody's got a bone to pick, but what's your favorite deep dish, man? So man, deep dish, I, I, being here, you know, I've been here for over over 10 years. Uh, and I've probably had deep dish probably like three times in, in that span because once you eat it once, it's so much bread. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> bread. I don't even want to take commute. No, I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a, hey, total food coma. This is good man, advice though, man. I'll, I'll be playing, I'll be playing left tackle if I be eating deep dish I'm every day. I'll tell you, if you eat it, like eat one piece, because it's crazy. But that's good Lou, advice. Lou Malnati's has I don't know. Their pizza is just is so huge, but the deep dish is like this thick. It's like two inches thick, right. and and you can put as many toppings as you want. So the one time I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get some deep dish. I went to Lou Malnati's and got a deep dish pizza and put like a meat lovers edition. So it was like bacon, <laughs> sausage, pepperoni, like all. But hey, one piece, bro. <laughs> Man, I ended up eating like one and a half maybe even two pieces and i was like i don't want to see pizza ever again but it was the best yeah. dish i had ever tasted well there you go man lou malnati's matt thanks for coming on with us man you're a tremendous guy and uh man you've done a lot of great this is matt forte two-time pro bowl running back chicago bears legend thanks for being on with us man thanks man love what y'all are doing appreciate it If you would love to interact with Nick and I, please reach out to our social medias. Our Instagram is at Mission of Truth, and our Twitter is at M of T underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys and any thoughts or questions you guys have or comments. And thanks for tuning in.